What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. In today's episode, we've got a week five recap for you. Uh, we will touch on pretty much all the games outside of the Monday night game, which, as always, we are recording in the middle of. If anything groundbreaking happens there, uh, we'll update you. But currently, it's in the middle of the second quarter. Colts are up 7 nothing. Nothing too exciting yet. But uh, that said, even though we're going to get into the games here, we, we do want to take a second. Um, we got some breaking news. So uh, as people know, last week, um, some emails, an end of, or sorry, an investigation uh, revealed that John Gruden had sent some emails talking about NFLPA executive president. I'm not exactly sure his title, to be honest with you, but uh, Demora Smith, um, who is black, and he used a racist trope talking about the size of his lips. Um, it was a topic of conversation. It happened last, like late in the week, so it really didn't get necessarily the chance for the full week's news cycle. We didn't get to hear from all of the people within the Raiders organization, particularly about it. But um, it was it was a pretty big topic of conversation. And then as of a few minutes ago, the New York Times just dropped a bomb that uh, more emails were leaked, presumably by the NFL, uh, according to some other people, but that detail uh, a history of John Gruden um, going back to as far as when he was in the Monday night booth about 10 years ago uh, for ESPN, um, using homophobic language, uh, you know, racist, misogynistic language, all of that stuff um, in communications with George Allen and uh, a handful of other people around the league and friends of his. So uh, we don't want to dive too deep into all this stuff yet. We don't really have the full scope, but um, it doesn't look good for John Gruden here. But that being said, given what we know about the Deshaun Watson situation, what the league can or can't or is unwilling to do there, chances are John Gruden can't necessarily be forced out in this instance, especially with this stuff that occurred 10 years ago in a forum via email and all of that stuff. But any just, I guess, initial thoughts here, Toaster, and then we'll, we'll kind of move on to the games. Yeah, I mean, the most surprising thing to me was that he was able to use email. He seems so old school. <laughs> um, I think that this definitely puts a, a nail in the coffin for any opportunity he has post his coaching career. But as far as what his coaching career is right now, um, they've, they've interviewed a couple of the Raiders. They said he, he still has um, the respect of the locker room. This was, to be fair, but only after the Demore Smith comments, not so much after. Do you actually um, believe that, though? I'm, I believe it more so from the Raiders than I do from the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Okay. Um, right. and I mean, this is always a tough situation because he wasn't an employee of the league at the time. He, so to discipline him after that, this, these are the things that you need to vet before you hire. Quite frankly, it, it goes back to the Doyle situation, right? He's, he basically got paid to leave, uh, his college curriculum for making racist comments. And then the NFL still hires him. So this right. is just bad hiring practices more so than something that should be punishable by the NFL at this time. I'm not saying that I don't think that there will be considerable pressure, but this is unfortunately, I, I hate to say it. It's a league about results and they are three and two right now. And so unless John Gruden wants to step down, 
I, I think he's still got a place in this league as as long as he is a competitive program. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. And I think from a legal standpoint, which is the key here, he didn't necessarily break a law. Um, There's it's... no morals clause or anything like uh, Urban Meyer might be under because yeah. he wasn't under contract at the time. As far as we know, he wasn't sure. under contract at the time when he made these statements. I mean, it it looks real bad to have an email come out about talking shit about your boss's boss's boss. But <laughs> it, again, th these are things that should have been brought up beforehand you would hope with how much money's in this league that they just say let's get all of your skeletons out tell me what you've said tell me what you did and right uh, quite frankly it's surprising that it, ha it didn't get swept under the rug i actually appreciate that they're coming out and saying okay this is actually something that is a topic of conversation and we need to address the best we can um mm -hmm. based on what was done at the time yeah, I think the big thing here for me is the league has one of the largest platforms in the entire world, certainly in the United States and North America, and they've made a conscious effort. And, you know, some people can decry it as like too late and, you know, whatever amidst all the other shit that they do. But the league has made a conscious effort to uh, denounce homophobia, uh, misogyny. Uh, racism, all that, right? And to have this come out, uh, is it, it looks bad on the league, especially for a guy with a guaranteed 10-year, $100 million contract. Yeah. So I, I think that's where this pressure comes in here. Like Florio, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk tweeted, there's some high-level chess checkers going on with Gruden. The league doesn't want to suspend him. The league wants the Raiders to fire him. And the league will likely keep leaking more emails until the Raiders fire him. I don't know if the Raiders will, to your point. And we might be looking at a situation where they're either going to have to swallow this and deal with it week after week and have this hanging over the team, or Gruden's going to step down. But it's still early in this whole process. Well, and so, I'd like to I like to hope that there's change, there's evolution over time. It's the thing I am one of the big and will give a little bit of insight into my personal life. Absolutely love animals. And when the Michael Vick situation rolled around, that was the penance that was agreed upon by society at the time that said, OK, you get a fresh start if you go away for two mm -hmm. years and he's done great things as far as animal rehabilitation and being a spokesperson since. And you'd like to think that that's something where maybe this is an opportunity rather than a detriment, considering this didn't happen within, you know, his time as a Raider. He has the first sure. openly gay player on his team. He obviously has players that are of African-American descent. So maybe this becomes a platform and an opportunity rather than a detriment. Um, but at the same time, I, I also don't think that if you're willing to say that openly in emails, not in the, from what I've read, none of this was in a jest or joking standpoint that right. those are not really ways that change just by saying, Oh yeah, I'm back in the NFL. Now I'm going to look at things differently. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a bad look. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll probably address this more later on as more stuff comes out, but uh, at the very least, we should see an apology from him, a, a more, a, hopefully a genuine apology. And like you said, uh, maybe to keep his place within the league, 
he won't be fired or fined or whatever, but he will be assigned a certain number of community service hours and, and maybe have to get involved in some of these organizations. And I've got to, as we're talking about breaking news, I have to give the NFL props that they are right now coming in live on Monday night football. And Adam Schefter is talking about this very situation. So props to them for taking it seriously in areas where they've used to, you know, Friday, we uh, talked about the Friday night news dump, right? Are you reading the lower third on, on the Schefter segment? It says Gruden and Raiders parting ways after review of emails show use of racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language. So there you go, folks. <laughs> um, apparently the John Gruden coming to you live recorded tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I, I'm glad then we at least uh, touched on it and, you know, got to discuss a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into this more moving forward. Um, shocking. I, I honestly, uh, that they made a move that quick, but um, I'm happy to see it. I think I tweeted a few minutes before we started recording that we need to get this dude the fuck out of here. So <laughs> I suppose you kind of know where I stand, but um, we're finally getting a following Adam Schefter's yeah. listening to us. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Shefty. Um, all right. I think with that, always a tough transition, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but we do talk about football first and foremost here. So, um, let's get to the games, uh, starting with a Thursday night game Rams at Seahawks was an opportunity for the Rams to get back in the saddle after losing to the Cardinals the week before a division opponent, um, you know, going against arguably the best, well, I wouldn't even say arguably the best quarterback in that division is always going to be tough on the road. Rams end up beating the Seahawks 26 to 17. But the big story here, right, is Russ, Russell Wilson getting hurt. He uh, damages his middle finger on his throwing hand, flipping off Pete Carroll. Oh, I mean, um, hitting it on a helmet. Um, he apparently, uh, damaged the ligaments bad enough that he needed two, at least two pins in his finger. He's going to be out six to eight weeks is the, well, he's a miraculous healer. So it's only going to be four weeks. And I think it was actually on, um, Aaron Donald's forearm that it happened. Um, so mm -hmm. it's interesting to me that you still call him the best QB in, in the, in the division at the very least, considering, you know, Trey Lance is there now and, <laughs> There's a lot, there's a lot of competition. Um, and quite frankly, Geno Smith balled out. Geno Smith was responsible for 10 points in the second half versus Russ's seven. Um, Geno's stat line probably doesn't do him justice for actually how well he played off the bench. Would you agree? All, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was 10 of 17, 131 yards, a touchdown and interception. He, especially that first drive that he came in, right? It was like, holy shit. Like, where has this dude been? Um, he obviously put the nail on the coffin by throwing an interception. Um, I think on the third drive when the Seahawks needed to come down and get a score, but, um, it fell down on the play. Um, uh, so I, yep. it, uh, really the biggest takeaway for me is there is no 12th man anymore. Like this is not a place where you're scared to go into. Yeah. And maybe in retrospect, that was heavily, um, aided by the fact that they had an absolutely dominant defense. And when you're at home, that's when you can really cause havoc as a fan base, right? When the other team's offense is on the field. 
So you marry those two things together and don't get me wrong. It still gets loud there, but I don't think it's nearly as intimidating as it has been. And um, yeah, it, it's tough for the Seahawks now. And there was um, a report. I think I saw a tweet in the middle of the game, but I'm assuming because the game was on Fox that uh, Jay Glazer spoke on it before the game. Uh, I can't say I saw it firsthand, but Jay Glazer, who famously will not put anything out unless he has at least three sources confirming, um, said that he fully expects Russ to explore uh, being traded, which is something we've talked about pretty much since it, this all died down earlier this off season. We, we expect this to be an ongoing thing. And now, you know, that was this year was coming off of a 12 and four season winning the division. And I don't think they're going to replicate that, especially if they're going to be missing Russ for at least a month. Um, I think this is it right for Russ and the Seahawks. Uh, yeah. I, I hate to, after the Gruden situation, turn it right back on the Deshaun Watson situation. But where teams are at in the league right now, I see the Seahawks, the Dolphins, potentially the Saints. The Panthers are probably feeling like they need somebody. The Broncos, after their last game, probably aren't feeling as good. And even the Eagles and the Giants probably don't know that they have their actual answer, even though the Eagles won. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to who's willing to make that jump now versus mm. waiting to fight it out with the sharks later uh yeah. because yeah if they're not going to make the playoffs because of this injury which as well as geno smith played it's just it, it, it's tough in the league and they've already talked about especially bringing that cam, division right? yeah they've already talked about bringing in cam newton as well which means that they obviously don't feel that geno's going to be able to float them well enough for that four to eight weeks i mean that's the considerable part of your season it used to be half but now the math gets even tougher so <laughs> it, this is something where it might be where you pack it in for one season and say hey let's let's bite the bullet yeah i i mean honestly it's it's always hard like moving on from a franchise quarterback especially a guy russ isn't old here we're not talking about a 40 year old tom brady we're talking about a guy who's 32, 33 years old and still presumably has a lot of great football in front of him. Um, I just think I'm kind that of like that, a claw hand though. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like, it was funky. For well, sure. I just, yeah, for anybody, we don't need to get into the medical side of thing, but you've got extensors and you got flexors and he tore his extensor tendon, which basically meant that even at equilibrium, his flexor tendon was taking over everything. So that meant he basically could not lift his middle finger straight in that figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel for us, I really do. And I, I know it, this is tough for him and even the, what he did in the off season, um, must've been tough for him. He's, he's a guy who, you know, puts loyalty up at the top of his list of things that he cares about. And, um, you know, I know he cares about the community here in Seattle, but, um, it's, it's time, right? Like it, it just is. And it's I unfortunate mean, that it goes out with an injury and not with him winning the division and making another Super Bowl run. Um, but it's football doesn't give a shit about your plans and uh, well it sounds like you're packing it on your seahawks pick for sure but um <laughs> i think that he what he does is he looks at the defense and just knows that there's not that's not sustainable at yeah. this point there's no reason they can't stop us yeah yeah so it's tough 
tough for us and the Seahawks. Um, I mean, maybe, and we'll transition to the next NFC West game say, here. Oh, I but, thought we were going to say, luckily for them, they're not the worst defense in the NFL because that is by far and away the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> well, okay. Do you want to go there? Or do you want to go to the Cardinals Niners? Let's play the let's play the parlay, boy. All right, all right. So we're going to go uh, next to the Bills at Chiefs. Your Sunday night game, which. Uh, had a lightning delay <laughs> for a while, which your is kind of wild. Also your Monday morning game for some of you. Yeah, also, yeah, exactly. Um, and it was raining like fucking crazy in the second half of that game. That was nuts. But Bills keep rolling and just destroy the Chiefs 38 to 20. Uh, I, I, hand up. I was very wrong about Josh Allen. Very wrong. <laughs> and, and not just this year, but as a whole. Um, I thought that was such a wasted pick, um, him coming out of Wyoming, uh, never really producing there. And like, he is, he's exciting as hell to watch. I mean, he's, he's top five, like guys that you tune in to watch, I think right now in the NFL and to marry that with actual ability to like step on a team's throat and execute an offense is so fucking cool. Well, I was um, more impressed how he jumped over the team's throat with that hurdle on third and four to essentially seal the game. How the fuck does somebody that big <laughs> move like that? It's wild. But uh, Josh Allen balled out uh, the numbers just uh, to put them out there. He was he only had 30 dropbacks. He was 15 of 26, so uh, less than 60 percent completion percentage, but 315 yards, 12.1 yards per attempt. He had three touchdowns, no interceptions. Five big time throws. He was the average depth of target was 12.9, and he's PFF's second highest graded passer this week. Although their number one is Russell Wilson, uh, who only had 16 attempts before he got hurt. So, I mean, Josh Allen in what really was a statement game for the Bills, prime time in a hostile environment, one of the what's considered one of the most hostile environments in football, and he took it to them. Yeah, I, 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 I'll put my hand up. I was convinced that the Chiefs were not going to be able to stop him, but I was absolutely shocked by the fact that the Bills were able to stop Mahomes as well as they did. No, I, I was too. I mean, so Mahomes, he, he had 63 dropbacks in this game. Um, he was 33 of 54, so barely over 60%, not great. Um, he averaged five yards per attempt. He had two touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, uh, that is a very bad game for Patrick Mahomes. Um, maybe one of his worst ever, uh, that we've seen. And I mean, the bills just took it to them. Um, it, the bills, are, are they the, the top team in the NFL right now? I think that's kind of the question we need to start asking about them. They're the top team in the AFC for sure. I don't know that I would give them the NFL. I think that not that the Bucks have done anything to be overly impressive. The Cardinals are still undefeated as much as, I mean, a rookie quarterback keeping it within seven points and one last drive is a little concerning as well. But they're, they're up there for sure. And I think that this is the thing that it feeds them, right? It's, it's, it's the antithesis of the, we're going to go 20 and 0, like the chiefs thought they were, and you lose in week 13 and it's kind of demoralizing like, God oh, damn, we had it. They lost right away again in yeah. week one when 
it's everything's up for grabs. They lost against the Steelers, who at this point it looks like a terrible loss. Well, it looks like a better loss after the Pittsburgh. They beat the Pitt Broncos. Steelers yeah. took, took down the Broncos, but um, there's a lot of unknowns going into Week One. So they got that they got that demon off their back, and then they got Mahomes off their back. They've got two shutouts already this year. I think that the the confidence level that they get out of this game is extraordinary and that makes them terrifying for the rest of the year. Definitely. I mean, until the chiefs can figure something out on that defense, and I don't know if it's fixable mid season, frankly, um, it's not like there's Frank Clarkley. No. Uh, who? No, Frank Clarkley. Um, no, Frank they're Clark. just spent, they're spending so much money on this defense and they're not getting anything out of it whatsoever. And it go it gets even worse next year. They're playing Chris Jones and Frank Clark. $56 million, like something's got to move, uh, something's got to happen. Uh, Tyron Matthews not on the team anymore. He's only on one one year contract after this year. So, and the kicker to all of this is that they're not even paying Math, uh, Mahomes yet. He's no. still on his rookie contract. He's still what, seven and a half million. So next year jumps yep. up to 35 million. And this is why I, I get Mahomes is an un- otherworldly talent. But we keep, I keep preaching at the very least, you need balance and they don't have balance. You can't just rely on your offense kicking ass every single game because it's a, a one play here, one play there. And they had four turnovers in this game and you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to come back from that. The Chiefs have the second worst turnover differential in the league right now. And that's why they're two and three. It's about ball security. You can be as explosive yeah. as you want, but. Yeah, and I, I guess I have to make one more po- one more point. Tyreek Hill is not an elite wide receiver. Tyreek Hill is an elite speedster, a great athlete. That interception, absolutely straight inexcusable. Uh, I would not even put him anywhere near the top five in the league. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with you on that. Um, he definitely is exciting and i think he opens up opportunities that other others can't but as far as mahomes mahomes also opens those up for hill because mahomes can make throws that not a lot of people can make so hill can just bail out down the field half the time i i'm with you that drop that led to the interception was awful i think it's also worth noting here that they lost clyde edwards alaire um to a knee injury in this game and not that he's been necessarily the kind of player that um, a lot of people thought he would be for this offense when he got drafted, but it, it made them a lot more one dimensional after that as well. Um, and then again, so did the game script and the score, but um, yeah, I mean, it, if you're the chiefs right now, the chargers and and we'll definitely get to that chargers Browns game later, the chargers look fucking awesome. And the Broncos are going to be a tough game. And I, it just gets harder for the chiefs. And we talk about banking wins. How long can you go if you're the chiefs while you sort of figure this out? Now, all that being said my last point on this here with them anyway, is that they've had a murderer's row of a schedule to start the year. So, I mean, they, they've essentially played the five best teams in the AFC, um, you know, to, to start their season. And, to be at two and three is disappointing because of the high expectations for them. But it, for most teams, you would take that record given the teams that they've played to yeah. this point. If any, we'll other, if, if any other teams only losses were to the Ravens, chargers and bills, they'd, they'd be 
pretty happy. Um, what right. I don't want to do here is take away from what the Bills did, though. They didn't blitz on a single play. And they still Absolutely got two, wild. two sacks and eight QB hits. The restocking of that defensive line has been tremendous. And again, to be hyperbolic on this, that's terrifying to get that much pressure to do what you've done to Patrick Mahomes, who is one of the more mobile QBs in the league. Mm-hmm. And you've got you've got 10 plays of his 65 dropbacks where you're touching him. That's yeah. And to not have to bring a fifth guy a yeah. single time is that's impressive as hell. Yeah, I, sure. I didn't get, I didn't give the Bills their credit because they were doing this against you know the the Dolphins and the Texans and right. to see that defense against somebody who maybe the offensive line still isn't quite where it needs to be for the Chiefs, but against some elite playmakers, um, obviously Tyreek Hill excluded based on the last conversation, uh, <laughs> is it, it was eye opening for sure. Yeah, I I think they. We'll wait and see, I guess, like at, it usually takes a couple of days after all the games wrap to like fully get your head around everything that happened. But um, I think if I was putting together a power rankings right now, uh, the Bills would definitely be in the conversation for number one. For and me. that's so, and that's where I was last week when people were clamoring for the Cardinals to be at top. I'm just like I, what the Bills have done. They've curb stomped a couple teams. They curb stomped the teams they were supposed to curb stomp yeah. versus the Cardinals getting by against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a missed field goal away from the Vikings, that sort of thing. The What the Bills have done is more impressive. Um, I don't want to get into the like, woe is me or officiating shit, but this game of many, um, cause if we go into the cheat, uh, the chargers Browns next, there were some absolutely horrendous calls in that as well. But I think it's time for a roughing the passer and a running into the passer penalty, just like we have on the punter, because mm. that 15 yard automatic first down penalty is egregious, especially when it's happening on third and 10 plus oh my god man incompletion a play that doesn't end up being worthwhile and you know as a tom brady stan i you know we know that he got lightly grasped or lightly you know brushed against the face mask and that's a 15 yard penalty that we need to stop this shit there's too much there's too much variability in calling these Mm -hmm. games um, pass interference is something that I think we have to accept that we're never going to get right, especially after the failed um, uh, project last year. But roughing the passer and running into the passer need to be it just it can't be an automatic first down. It's just too game changing on on shit. Well, and anytime you hit the quarterback, you're thinking, oh, shit, like, yeah, it is a and, flag coming potentially it, no matter and, yeah. how light the hit is. And we need uh, we aren't um, actively broadcasting clips on YouTube, but I mean the Chase Young on Matt Ryan hit from last week, where he put two hands right into his chest and knocked him down, and that was roughing the passer. Like we, something needs to change here. Yeah, um, it's it's un- it's unfortunate, and it didn't ultimately have an effect on the outcome of this game, but it does on a weekly basis put teams in position to, to lose games. Uh, right. You know, obviously if you're on the other side of it, it's great. But I think looking at it from the defensive side, which is what you're saying here, it's brutal. Well, and, yeah. and I, mean, I mean, there's missed calls everywhere. I mean, there's a bad holding call 
right before that that you know completely sure. would have negated that situation so i just was throwing this out there as i think that this is a perfect example of we've already identified a penalty where there are two grades of it and we need to bring that into the roughing the passer penalty as well yeah no i think that's fair um all right let's get going on some of these games here so uh we talked about the cardinals being at five and zero, and their stake you know uh, their claim to that number one spot I think this game squarely sets them back a peg. So uh, the 49ers go to Arizona. What color um, shirt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trey Lance making his first career start. Cardinals beat the 49ers 17 to 10, but it, it was the game was in the balance, like you said, um, for a while. And it, honestly, there it happened early in the game, but. I think the biggest play was in the second quarter, um, the 49ers down at the goal line. And I, I think the score was seven, nothing at that point, if I'm remembering correctly, but, um, Trey Lance just gets hammered, um, and gets stopped at like the one inch line and, uh, on fourth and goal, yep. on fourth and goal Cardinals keep the ball and, um, you know, get out of points there, uh, for their defense. But uh, this game, it was, it was tough if you're the Cardinals, I think, because I think Trey Lance looked about how we expected him to look, right? A little erratic. His interception was something that we've been talking about for since the preseason with him. You know, he threw it hard and high. He misses his guy and it falls right into, uh, I believe it was Buda Baker's lap. I think that was the only spiral that he threw the entire damn game and it got tipped. So Buda Baker had to have the same level of difficulty to catch as the rest of his wide receivers. This dude <laughs> cannot throw a damn spiral and how he's made it this far. I, I hate to, because of obviously there's always going to be racial connotations with it. I see Colin Kaepernick in him, but I see Colin Kaepernick is a better QB because he had that same arm strength, that same just long-legged running um, acumen. And, but I think Cap was fire. a more dynamic runner. Exactly. Too, he could fire the hell out of that ball, but it was a tight spiral. And I have not seen that out of Trey Lance at all. It's it's a duck every single time. And their PFF's giving him credit for three drops from his wide receivers. They and we talk, Jamar Chase took a shit-beating in the off season because they're like, Oh, well, it's harder to catch because it doesn't have the white lines on it. And it's like, it doesn't matter if there were freaking highlighters on his balls because it, right. it looks like it looks like old school in 64, like streaks behind the ball type of thing. It's so wobbly. Do you think, and I have no knowledge of this. Um, just throwing this out here though, that it, I know his mechanics were something that a lot of people have talked about need to be refined as he grows within the league. Do you think mechanical changes are possibly affecting that right now as he gets more acclimated to them and gets comfortable? Because I don't remember him throwing such a bad ball when he was at North Dakota state necessarily. That's um, fair. The, the, in trying to take a step up, you take a step back in the meantime. Yeah. And that's yeah. why they don't want to play him right now. That's why Kyle Shanahan came out and said that uh, Garoppolo is still the starting quarterback as long as he's healthy. Well, he, he especially that, is now. Yeah, he needs that time to develop. He he is dynamic. He will be electric in this league. But right now, I, I look at him a little bit like a Jalen Hurts, where they're on, even though Jalen Hurts is probably above him at this point. But when Jalen Hurts came in the last four games last year, where 
he was getting it done on the ground. He was adding that mm -hmm. he was adding that extra ability that kept the defense on their toes, even if mm -hmm. the passing game wasn't quite there. But until he get, until he's able to throw a ball that his receivers can catch, it's going to be a very, very difficult time for him. Yeah. And it, my other big issue here was so Shanahan used him like a fucking battering ram in this game. <laughs> and like I, I get that he is a brick shit house. But like Shanny was just, I mean, and part of it's him having to protect himself too, to some degree, but he was just calling like QB run after QB run, especially at the goal line. Right. And yeah. he was just getting hammered and he gets hurt. He sprains his knee. We find out today and he's questionable, I suppose for this week, it doesn't seem like he's going to play. I would think if he's not able to practice all week, but, um, we've seen this with Kyle Shanahan before, right? Like yeah. with yeah. RG three yeah. in Washington, it's like you, you have to be smarter about using this, this guy who is a, you traded three first round picks for him. like hey, you hey, invested hey. two first round picks and two in a swap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you traded like all these assets for him. And this guy is, it needs to be the future of your franchise, frankly. And you look at the way that they used him. And I just thought it was like completely negligent. Yeah. Um, I, I know they're trying to win games and Lance's ability to run helps you win games, but you need to be taking a more measured approach with this stuff. Um, that was, they almost no, I, pulled it out that, you know, but it was not a great game plan and his injury coming out of it makes it look worse. Well, and just the injuries for the 49ers in general. I mean, they deal with it every single year. I'm not sure if this is a strength and conditioning situation or uh, we we aren't appropriately setting up our people for success. But Mostert's out. Um, you've got your you've got Kittle on IR right now. Obviously, Garoppolo's hurt again. I don't. I think we'll give Garoppolo the credit for that injury rather than the coaching staff, but. They they run through this injury riddled season every, every single year. damn year, and to just take your uh, what is the future of your franchise and just throw him at. I mean, we saw Daniel Jones go out on not a similar play, but a, a Q, design QB run, and mm -hmm. it's, that's that's your season, right? Like for the yeah. Seahawks, that's your season. Russell Wilson's gone. It wasn't a designed run by any means, but it's just like if he gets hurt, that's your season. Yeah. Um, do you think if Jimmy Garoppolo starts this game that the 49ers win it potentially? I don't, I really don't. I think no. it's actually worse. And that's what's the most infuriating part about this is that I think Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan has an offense that he can run when the running backs are able to be dynamic and Jimmy Garoppolo does not give you that threat to say, right. okay, you can't key on you can't key on the backfield right now. You can't key on to my third string running back, my fourth string running back, because that's where they're at right now. Uh, yeah. it, I think Lance gave them that dynamic ability, but I just don't think that you need to run Lance on fourth and goal. Um, <laughs> I say that, and then I'm gonna bite my tongue when we go to Trevor Lawrence on fourth and goal. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I very different designed runs. We'll put it that way between a QB sure. sneak versus uh, let's string them out and see who can get to the goal line first. And quite frankly, that was on Lance a, quite a bit too as a learning lesson. Dive, get forward, 
stop yeah. spread, stop spreading it out you take what you take one stutter step and cut back inside and at the very least you can get low get underneath everything and, mm-hmm. and save yourself or throw it i mean if he had his eyes up isaiah simmons peels off and he's really the one that stopped him um if he has his eyes up he's got an easy little touch pass well yeah uh, that's, a, that's called a touch pass though he hasn't learned that <laughs> in his curriculum yeah it's just like that's true okay we're gonna we're gonna try to eviscerate the insides of my wide receiver uh yeah. i one more note on this if um we if we were gonna move on rondell moore is making kyler murray look like a damn superstar this that was yeah. an amazing performance by, by he Ron had Del a hell Moore. of a game yeah totally he he took that short pass to the house for their first touchdown and that catch that he made on the sideline uh which i think it was after the cardinals were backed up after stopping the niners at the goal line um mm-hmm. kind of bailed kyler out i and, thought that i, mean, I thought that, he was throwing it away out of bounds i didn't think there was a way in hell that he was going to be able to catch that. And the refs on the field at the time didn't think there was any way he could catch that. And then Same. you zoom in the way he was able to balance basically at a 90 degree angle and catch that ball was absolutely ridiculous. I still think Kyler threw a couple of balls that were very, very questionable um, to ice the game that mm-hmm. that 50, 50 ball to, to Hopkins before mm-hmm. the touchdown easily an interception. If one of the DBs has their bearings behind them. And then that touchdown to Hopkins that that was on Hopkins. It, it must be great to play with that kind of talent. But. Oh my God. Yeah. I think um, on the, the Kyler note, I, I think he took a bit of a step back in this one. You know, we, we talked about his performance last week. I said it was the best game I've ever seen him play. Um, I will give him credit for, I don't think he put the ball in harm's way the way that we've seen him do it in the past. Um, but he, you can see what happens when the game plan, it, it, the things in front of him are muddled and he can't just instantly break the pocket. There they were two plays him. that, yeah, there were two plays that come to mind where he like that clock went off in his head and he's like, all right, fuck this. And he like spun out to bail and just got like sacked for like a 18 yard loss. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to eliminate that stuff from his game. I mean, those are absolutely back-breaking plays for an offense. And if you're playing against, like, if this is Trey Lance's eighth start instead right. of his first start, you probably lose this game. So, um, you know, the, again, 5-0, and oh, bank those wins. But this was less than convincing from the Cardinals' standpoint. And I think for everyone that was... And I just want to say in general, I hate at all times when sports fans claim they pull the disrespect card because they'll pull it at the slightest fucking thing. And I hate it. But at the number of people that were feeling disrespected and maybe rightfully so after last week um, about the Cardinals not being far and away considered the number one team in the league. I think you saw this week that they are a step below, at least in my mind, a couple of other teams here. So yeah, if you um, put the bills against the Cardinals tomorrow, I would like to see how many Cardinals fans would take them on five out of 10 games. Well, I just, I, I would love to know, and, and this is the point I always bring up is on a neutral site, who's favored, you know? And if you don't think that team is favored, guess what? They're not better than the other team. So like if, if the Cardinals went up against the bills tomorrow 
on a neutral site. The Bills are probably a five, five a plus point favorite. Yeah, I would think. So, I, I mean, that's not insignificant. Um, you know, I think the Cardinals still are relying too much on Murray to be Superman. I will right. give some credit to Vance Joseph. I think he's done an excellent job with that group. Um, he, especially considering they were down Byron Murphy in this game, already thin position for them. But um, bottom line, the Cardinals pull it out, but you wins know, yeah, yeah. Wins a win, uh, especially in the division. So you take that and it looks now like we've got a two team race within the NFC West. I can't imagine the 49ers like really getting hot necessarily as Lance acclimates and uh, the Seahawks, obviously we talked about um, their issue with Russ. So, um, you know, you're, you're in it and now let's see if they can just keep the ball rolling their schedule. Definitely. I, I think it gets a little more challenging here, right? Yeah. They've um, got the Browns and then the, uh, the Texans, the stalwart Texans barely were barely <laughs> lost to the Patriots this week. Um, and then Packers, 49ers again, Panthers, uh, Seahawks. Let's see, count the weeks here. That could be Russ's first game back. That's six weeks after this game. Um, And then Bears, Rams, um, they do get the Lions. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a a stretch here where um, it gets a little bit more difficult. And uh, I guess we can transition to the Browns since that's their their next uh, opponent. opponent. Uh, I would like to say that, you know, we do the this primetime parlay for two reasons. Obviously, we want to make you money, but I also want to make it entertaining. I don't want to just go the, okay, we're going to watch the Dallas Cowboys absolutely trounce on the Mike Glennon, Devontae Booker, uh, Galladay-less <laughs> Giants. I'm talking, let's do 41 points in the fourth quarter. Let's have over a thousand yards from the line of scrimmage. Let's freaking feast because that was probably that's going to be the game of the year right oh my god yeah so uh the final in this was uh 47 to 42 chargers uh like you mentioned over a thousand combined yards of total offense in this one this game was fucking crazy this was like you know the way people play madden and i hand up. I haven't played Madden in quite some time, but like just always going forward on fourth down and like just chucking it deep. This was like Madden, like snorted some speed. And this game was wild. Um, Definitely game of the year potential. I don't know if we'll top it as far as total points, right? Like they're, yeah, to get to damn near a hundred. They were, According to NFL.com, they went for it on fourth down 16 times this game between the two teams. Like this was a try and stop us. And I'll say that that was surprising to me because I, I I didn't think that the Browns were going to be able to stop the Chargers, but I was not expecting the Browns to come out and just take it to them like they did. And it was it came down to a last possession like five times because you kept thinking that that was going to be the last yeah. possession. And then, uh, you know, a, a gang bang in the end zone uh, as initiated by the Browns to get Eckler um, to score five or six, um, put them up by five failed two point conversion. And then uh, I always have to go back to the, uh, the officiating on this one. I think that there's going to be some, there's going to be some clamoring on, on both sides for sure. But 
Um, some of these fourth down conversions by, by Brandon Staley and the Chargers were a little bit questionable. I don't think there's definitely not pass interference on that last play. You guys can shut the hell up on that Browns that, you know, you get your feet tangled. That's, that's just part of the game, but mm -hmm. it was, it was absolutely exciting. And it's great to see the Chargers finally able to finish the game because they've been competitive for the last, what, 10 years. And they've yeah. just never been able to put it together at the end. So seeing them close out these last two games in close situations, we're very close to closing it out against the Cowboys as well. Um, they're they're going to be a force in the in the AFC for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of things here that stood out to me. One, the Browns, like just looking at the box score here, right? They dominated time of possession, like 36 and a half minutes to 23 and a half minutes. They they had more yards and they won, you know, the turnover battle one to nothing to, to lose the game. It, all those things in your favor, it takes a Herculean effort on one side. And we, we got that from, I mean, it's so, so fucking fun to watch play this position. And like, again, there's a difference between fun and good. He marries the two. He, Throughout, through for almost 400 yards, four touchdowns, and he just breaks you on like third and fourth downs. The downs where you're like, okay, here, make one play. We get off the field. We're good. It's like, nope, sorry. And it, the key really in this game, and I know it was early and a lot of stuff, you know, transpired after that, but the Browns looked like they were going to take the game over. Um, it was 27 to 13. And the, let's see, there was 11 minutes left in the third. Fourth and two, the Chargers are at like their own 25 or something. Yeah. And yeah. Staley goes for it. Um, they they get it. They continue the drive. And then they go for it on fourth and seven later, convert there. Herbert eventually runs it in. They get the two-point conversion. It's a 27-21 game after that. And it's like all of a sudden, like the whole fucking game changed. It's like all hell broke loose. Um, Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in the NFL, uh, probably he gives me a job for sure. Watching yeah. that dude sling oh my, it. It's fun. He's absolutely insane. You had a couple just massive touchdowns. There's the Najoku one where, uh, what was poor, that quite frankly? Like <laughs> that's a pretty poor tackling attempt by the DB, but, uh, Najoku just bodies him out for the ball and then, you know, takes it 75 yards. And then, uh, Mike Williams, on a just completely blown coverage like nobody within 20 yards of him um walks in for a touchdown from a big play from herbert as well but uh this was the kind of game that if you haven't watched it and you have access to game pass or sunday ticket or something I highly, highly encourage you to go back and watch it because it was fun as hell. And I don't want to hear shit from anybody about like, oh, they they didn't play any defense because yeah. that's boring as shit. This is the I, NBA. It's not about defense. Exactly. But Staley having the balls to go for it as much as he did that. I mean, that we well, talked about all the shocking time. part is like, Stefanski actually went for it on fourth down more than Staley did. It just did. Staley did it in something that seemed more impactful. So those are the ones that you're gonna you're gonna remember. Mm -hmm. But it's it, it's to the point where it's almost kind of like the CFL, where it's like maybe fourth down is an actual down for you, and you just take the field position loss if 
if you don't make it. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, I I think we're going to, we need to start seeing a shift in this, I think, because right now the conversation is too, too watered down. It's, it's too much about old school versus new school. And well, you gotta, you know, play the field position game and blah, 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 blah. I understand there, there's a time and place for all of this. There's no hard and fast rules. Like always go for it on fourth. The analytics always say go for it on fourth down. That's not true. But until we start getting to a point where teams are making the informed decision to go for it when they should be going for it, then you can really get a layer deeper, right? And start discussing what what makes a good fourth down play. It, is it, you know, does it make sense to run it, I don't know, 70% of the time? Does it make sense to throw it? Like, that's where you can really dissect this further. And unfortunately, we're not quite there. But I feel like Brandon Staley is leading the charge. And he'll get us to that point. And I think that just makes the game better. Like we want to see more score. Nobody wants to see fucking punts. So like, let's let's get it. No. And frankly, nobody wants to see kicks either. And after this weekend, I don't think NFL kickers want to see see kicks happen with all the missed extra points and missed field goals. So like, I, I loved watching this game back. Um, I caught it like sporadically during Sunday on Sunday ticket, flipping back and forth. But then I watched the, the shortcut that came out today and it was just so much fucking fun. Um, I game of the year, absolutely game of the year. No, I think this definitely rivals the, the Rams 49ers from a couple of years back when it was what, like 53, 52 or something like that. Yeah. This was just heavy hitting the outside of the Njoku touchdown everything was pretty damn impressive. That one was just kind of sad, quite frankly, because it looked (laughs) like he had a force field around him. But no, this was a big game for for Mayfield as far as I thought this was the one where his he doesn't get his contract extension, or at least he doesn't get the contract extension that he wants because he got absolutely he was going to get absolutely manhandled by that secondary. But they he did enough. You kept it competitive and he looks franchisable. And next week against the the Cardinals, if he can pull out a victory, then I I think that that's probably enough to get you paid in this league. It's definitely enough to get you paid. I'm not sure I'm in the camp that he's worth it quite yet. I mean, he benefits so much from positive game script, from their ability to run the ball as explosively as they do. I think Stefanski's a great play designer and play caller. I'm not confident, like... The Browns had a chance to to drive down the field at the end of this game. And it, to be fair, they moved the ball a little bit and then he had to start taking some hero shots that didn't didn't really work out. But if let's say your game's on the line, two minute drill, Baker needs to throw the ball to win you a game. I'm not necessarily sure I feel all that confident in him going out and doing that and winning you a game with his arm. Um, when it's it's a known drop back pass situation, right? right? And that to me is what separates these guys. And you know, Baker, it, it's it's hard because you can't just remove him from the environment that he's in. But it's the it, problem is you have to pay a quarterback in this day and age, and you, you do, yeah, he's gonna get paid. But I think that watching lot- him go head to head with Herbert, though, it to to the well, point I, is I like think, I think Herbert's the MVP of the league. I would put I would go if I had to vote right now, I'd probably go Herbert Allen Brady 
based on what they've done this year. And I, I'd throw Kyler in probably fourth. Yeah. But well, Dak, Dak too, I think is in that conversation, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, Herbert's taken down the Washington football team. You know, it, it is what it is. Apparently their defense isn't actually that great anymore. I don't know what <laughs> happened. Um, but Cowboys, chiefs, Raiders, Browns, these last, these last four weeks, uh, it's, it's been super impressive. Yes. You, you do need to give Dak his due. I, to your point. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I'd probably put Dak over, over Kyler at this point. Um, mm-hmm. but Dak, uh, if we have to get into the other side of the parlay, uh, balance, right? Cowboys had 200 yards rushing. Yeah. That's, that's what you need in this league is being able to be dynamic and not have to put it on one person's shoulders. I mean, even the, the chargers Eckler had a hell of a game, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's about a balanced offense and that's what opens up opportunities for everybody. Yeah. Um, I think we, we should probably move on from this game, but, uh, do you want to go, I think based on our conversation here, Cowboys or, uh, bucks, because I've got an insane Brady stat of the week for you. If you want to go that, let's go with the insane Brady stat of the day. I think if we, kept it to the week there would be too many stats that just don't get ever called out yeah that's very true so not not much to talk about in this game but um you know the bucks host the dolphins they beat the hell out of them 45 to 17 um brady was fucking bananas he was 30 of 41 411 yards and five touchdowns um this is the insane brady side of the week sunday marked the sixth time in 25 games with the Bucks that Tom Brady has led their offense to over 44 points. The Bucks had scored 44 points just six times total in the entirety of their franchise prior to Tom Brady arriving. How fucking insane is that, dude? That's that's crazy. I mean, he he's actually got more passing yards than the Texans do right now, like as a franchise, and he's <laughs> He's closing in on the Baltimore Ravens who were actually in the league four years before he got into the league. He's only about uh, 1,800 yards passing behind them. So he could, if he plays two more years, he could easily catch up to having more passing yards than two franchises in the NFL. God damn. I mean, he had a 10.6 average depth of target. His adjusted completion percentage was like 84%. It, it, it's insane. It, what he continues to do every fucking week. And, you know, we, there was the game last week against the Patriots and, you know, he didn't put up the best line and all this stuff. And I think people uh, maybe had a little bit of Brady fatigue coming off that week. This game wasn't prime time or anything. And it was a blowout, but you, you just look at like what this guy does week in and week out. And it is remarkable. It really is. I mean, I don't know how you make an argument. I don't think anybody is actively arguing that anybody else is the greatest quarterback of all time anymore, but what he does and what he looks like he can continue to do for the next couple of years. I mean, he, even in today's day and age by our standards is like the, the passing standards of today is going to be putting up some numbers that are going to be fucking untouchable just because of the longevity and the insanity of it on the tail end. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's, he's a goat. I, there's no discussion. I, everybody that wants to call Mahomes the kid goat right now, you, you know, 
scoreboard, right? Two and three versus uh, four and one. <laughs> um, it, it, he's impressive. I hope the hand injury doesn't catch up with him in any way. The reason I think that he's going to continue to put up these stats is that defense is not what it was last year either. And then they have right. they had White go down again this week, and he's going to he's considered week to week at this point. But they've got absolutely no secondary until Sherman potentially you know comes up to speed. So mm-hmm. he's going to have to keep balling out, and it's it's going to be fun. Um, he's got a short week this week. I think that he's played on short weeks uh, once or twice in his life without. <laughs> um impact but uh yeah he's gonna take on the eagles potentially sieve of a defense even though they were able to take it to carolina last week but what mahomes was able to do the eagles i don't see any reason that brady can't keep that going yeah i agree i mean this is this is the perfect time for the bucks to be going through this transition defensively and i think considering the personnel being what it is and i know i know there's injuries you know and longer term injuries to some of those key pieces but I, I think I, I'm not worried about this defense in the long run of the season. I right. think they have time to figure it out and get healthy. And they have the luxury of a 44 year old quarterback that can throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns when they need him to, to win you a fucking game. And not just, I mean, frankly, they could have stopped playing, um, you know, at halftime here and would have been fine. But um, yeah, the luxury of a 44 year old quarterback, not something that I think anybody thought that they would say. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's fucking wild. Um, All right. I think the next game, speaking of older goatish quarterbacks here um, that I want to get to is the Packers and Bengals. So uh, the Packers win this game in overtime 25 to 20. Joe Burrow. Okay. Talking about about Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Packers win this 25 to 22. This was the game that nobody wanted to win um at least the kickers didn't want to win uh so the Bengals, they their first attempt to to win the game with uh i think it was like a minute and change left in the fourth quarter they elect to not go for it on a on a fourth down in the packers territory instead they decide to kick a 57 yard field goal which immediately i was like this is a mistake um regardless they, of whether or not they make it right right yeah it was it was a mistake they, they needed a touchdown and the guy i don't even remember the kicker's name but he doinks it and you're sitting here thinking okay well now you just give aaron Rodgers a short field and you know all the time in the world that he needs of course he hits Devonte adams on like the same fucking play from the week before over the middle and boom they're in field goal range Line up Mason Crosby for a 50 yarder. You think, okay, it's game over. Crosby misses. And then it sent this whole game spiraling. Um, their, their last like handful of possessions here. So they go to overtime. I think there were five missed field goals in a row. Five straight missed field goals. Yep. Yep. And there was a uh, Bengals interception sandwiched in there on the first possession of overtime for the Bengals as well. Um, I I mean, it was comical. And some people, unfortunately, on the West Coast got to miss the start of the Cardinals. uh, Or sorry, they, they missed the end of this game because the start of the Cardinals 49ers game. 
but um, Mason Crosby eventually makes the kick that that wins this for him. But it, it was just I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Miss field goal, miss field goal, miss field goal. Interception on the first play of overtime from Joe Burrow <laughs> on. I it looked like he was attempting a no look pass to me because there was no receiver anywhere near where he was. Yeah, um, th- where he actually ended up throwing the ball. And then Green Bay chooses to kick on third down and misses that field goal, followed by another <laughs> missed field goal. Uh, it, it was quite frankly laughable, to your point. Nobody wanted to win this game. Uh, they w- they wanted to keep their division battles tough, I guess. I guess, um, yeah. But it was, I think, Aaron Rodgers still proved that he's effective. Devonta Adams is absolutely phenomenal and short of a franchise tag will probably try to follow Aaron Rodgers wherever he goes next year. Uh, but good news for Burrow. He, he looked okay. Um, Jamar chase, I think definitely made him look better than he should have. Well, that um, 70 yard touchdown should have been picked off. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely underthrown had some room and DB didn't quite catch up with it, but, uh, Joe Burrow had a throat contusion at the end of this game, ended up in the hospital. He's good now. He thinks he's going to play the next week. So that's great news for him. Yeah. Uh, very weird. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that injury. And then we got it twice uh, this Sunday uh, with who else was it? Was it? It wasn't Daniel Jones. Who else am I thinking of? Uh, another. I don't, I don't know who else took a dicking and ended up with a sore throat. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody else did. There was one other quarterback. It's escaping my mind right now, but uh, both had went to the hospital for throat contusions. Um, yeah. I mean, look, the Bengals are competitive and the Joe Burrow makes them competitive. They're still a step behind the Packers, you know, the teams at that level, right? Like the teams at the Packers level. Um, but you know, they're, we've talked about it last week, I think with how the AFC North is sort of shaping up. I mean, Bengals are in that conversation and nobody really gave them a chance going into the year. So, um, good for them. Ultimately they blew several opportunities to, uh, win this game. And what do you know? Uh, the Packers are four and one. So, um, yeah, time is a flat circle. Um, (laughs) uh, transitioning it just cause, (laughs) yeah. Uh, just cause I want to make sure we touch on the Cowboys offense here. We did a little bit, but Cowboys giants, Cowboys win 44 to 20 Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay all leave this game. Um, Barkley's ankle looks bad. Jones looks like a pretty bad concussion. Uh, so we got a Mike Lennon sighting, but the fact that the Cowboys scored 44 points and they only had three points until that CD lamb bomb in the second quarter is wild. Like the, <laughs> that offense can, it, like you said, they're, they're versatile. They, they play complimentary football. They can run the hell out of the ball. They obviously have Dak and all those receivers, but they are explosive. Like they just jump on you. And it's part of the reason that a Dak is in the conversation for MVP, but B the Cowboys are, you know, in the conversation as a top five ish team in the NFL. And the defense is good enough right now. Trayvon Diggs continues to make plays. He also, continues to take penalties and and look really bad sometimes but 
he takes the ball away, which you need to do in today's uh, NFL if you're on defense, yep. and the Cowboys have the offense to blow teams out of the water when they get extra possessions. So, No, um, I think this is an indication of how great Kellen Moore is as a play caller because they were shut down in the first half against the Carolina yep. Panthers last week as well and came out just firing. And they did similarly this week where they put up 27 points in the second half when they were only up a touchdown going into it. So uh, yep. um, hats off to him. Hats off to the new defense. Uh, they they look tough. This is, you would call it the NFC least other than the Cowboys are so strong that they're propping up that entire division. And uh, <laughs> the AFC South has a, is trying to stake a claim. <laughs> They're doing their best uh, for yeah. sure. Although, let's see, where are we at with this game? Colts, Colts making some noise in this one right now. But, um, all right, next game that stands out to me not not necessarily for good reasons, but um, we tortured the poor people in uh, London with the Jets and Falcons. Uh, Falcons win that game, twenty-seven to twenty. Zach Wilson looks bad. And yeah, I, I mean, did you get up at, it was 6.30 a.m. for us on the West Coast. Did did you get up and, and watch that from start to finish? Of course I did. I do I do it for the fans. <laughs> um, I would have said that Zach Wilson, I would have given Trey Lance a worse mark than, than Zach Wilson. Surprisingly, Trevor Lawrence, according to PFF, was actually graded worse than Zach Wilson. He, he was missing the, easy throws egregiously and mm -hmm. he was making the plays that you expect him to somewhat you know like the the rollouts the complicated stuff mm -hmm. every so often but he he looked like a huge not enough to make up for oh gosh no yeah yeah and yeah it's he... like borderline i'm not gonna say a mistake but the second and third overall draft pick this week did not look good no it you know, it's it's way, 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 way too early, I think, to draw any conclusions on his career. But they their plan, I, you know, I think you can really poke holes in not going and getting a veteran starter like an Andy yeah. Dalton or trading for a Nick Foles or somebody that you can let Zach sit and learn. And don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think you and learn not, best not even by sit, getting reps. Just learn right not even sit right just somebody to come back to and talk to yep and he doesn't have that and it's just there's times he uncorks some throws and you're like dude like you're not playing utah state or you know right. like it's it's just bad and unfortunately i mean fortunately for him he's getting this stuff on tape right you can learn from it and hopefully he's uh, a smart enough guy to learn from those mistakes. But I mean, he had no touchdowns this week. He threw an interception. He had another turnover worthy play. It, it's not coming together for him all that well. And I think their plan with him in general, aside from the having a veteran and all that stuff, but their, their game plans for him aren't good. They're not protecting him. And, you know, if, if we want to get into the, uh, Raiders bears game after this, we can kind of talk about how the bears are doing the opposite with Justin right now. And, you know, it, Zach has the ability to put up some flashy stat lines because 
they're dropping back and saying just let it fly but i don't know if it's the best thing for his development at this moment and you know i guess we'll see time will tell ultimately here but um yeah it's it's not looking good for the top half of the draft right now and he uh, uh, we talked about it in the preseason he's staring down Corey davis and if even if Corey Davis isn't his first look, that's where he goes to immediately after. And mm-hmm. Corey Davis only had four receptions for 45 yards. Uh, and it's that's my struggle is that he can't get through those progressions right now, short yeah. of wanting it to be a hero for Corey Davis. And unless Corey Davis is wide open, 60 yards downfield, that that's not a great play for him. Yeah. And it's it's tough because it. You know, he had a situation like where last week or maybe it's the week before where, uh, you know, Corey Davis balled out and you feel like, OK, I can I can just keep pumping it to this guy. And you maybe get a, a false sense of security with mm-hmm. that. Um, he, yeah, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a long way to go, as all of these rookies do. But, um, you know, I think it's it's not trending in the right direction for him right now. Um, and we'll see if that he's a jet changes he's jets jets gonna jet jets gonna jet um all right i I don't know if you want to go to the bears and raiders this wasn't an overly exciting game uh bears win 20 to 9 i definitely got the sense during the game that the the gruden situation and this is obviously before (laughs) the stuff that just came down but what was hanging over that team, I, I think had to have had an effect on them. Um, it, they looked off. Granted, the Bears defense played great in this game. Sean Desai continues to uh, just drop some some amazing creative shit from a defensive standpoint. Khalil Mack and the Bears D-line basically just got after Carr. But um, only the Raiders had drafted him. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it, the the big thing about this, too, was... You know, we, we talk about uh, bulletin board material and, you know, okay, how much does it really affect NFL players? These guys are professionals. They go out, blah, 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 blah. The Bears were pissed, still pissed about the game two years ago. It was Khalil Mack's first game against the Raiders since the trade. It was in London and the Raiders shut the Bears down. They shut Khalil Mack down. They, you could tell John Gruden was like, he will not beat us in this game. He was re- receiving triple teams all the time. The Bears couldn't do anything about it. And the Raiders talked a lot of shit after the game. And, and John Gruden talked a lot of shit after the game. The Bears remembered yeah, that. Email. Like, yeah, via email. Uh, Eddie Jackson talked about it after this one. Khalil Mack talked about it after this one. They were fired up in, to go to the stadium at which was, I think, pretty close to 50-50 uh, Bears fans. And they they dominated the Raiders. I mean, the the 20 points and I think Justin Fields stat line are a little misleading because as soon as they got comfortable, they were, you know, they they got way too conservative for my liking, but they got conservative. They protected Justin. They only asked him to make plays later on when they needed to. And he delivered in the fourth quarter. And. I think you're, you're seeing what they want to do as far as the progression with him. Now, after that Browns game, he he's only averaging 19 pass attempts a game. All of the other starters, uh, rookie starters are in the thirties. Although I don't know what Lance Lance's total was. 
um, necessarily. I guess he was he dropped back 29 times in his first start. Yeah, um, 29 attempts, yeah. Or 29 attempts, 35 dropbacks, yeah. So th- they're definitely being conservative with him, but you're seeing the progression because they're doing that. They're saving him from himself. And what was issues that on his side from the Browns game was not anticipating throws, not getting the ball out quickly. You're now seeing him do that uh, leaps and bounds already uh, better in just his second start or third start. So um, I I like what the bears did there. They now have a matchup with the Packers next week for first place in the NFC North. Um, Surprisingly, I don't know if anybody thought the bears would be in that position after not just week one, but week three. So, um, yeah, I mean, all around tough situation for the Raiders. I think better days are ahead for that team, all things considered, but a good win for the Bears on the road. And then uh, we got a battle of two rookies down in Houston. Uh, Your boy McCorkle Jones and Davis Mills battle it out. The Patriots end up nine and a half point favorite Patriots, by the way, um, end up winning 25 to 22. Davis Mills balled the fuck out. He's like a roller coaster right now, week to week, but 21 of 29, three touchdowns, two big time throws, zero turnover worthy plays. His average depth of target was nine. I mean, he outplayed Mac Jones, frankly, oh. in the game. It was wild. That the defense was absolutely atrocious on the Patriots part. I mean, they gave up at least two long touchdowns, if not three, 67 yards. Um, they had a 37 yarder and that was on a completely broken coverage. Uh, this was sad. I think that this is, uh, I don't even want to call a trap game for some reason, the Patriots and Texans always play each other tough and I don't understand it, but (laughs) a win's a win. You take it if you're the Patriots and you use it as bulletin board material to say, we almost got our ass kicked by a a relegation level team. And not even our asses kicked, our asses hand to us by Davis Mills, who had four interceptions just, you know, a week week removed and goes for 312 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. I, Belichick will make the best out of this, right? Like you talk about it's, it's a lot easier to, to get better after a win, to look at what you did wrong, make those corrections. You feel better about it. I trust Bill Belichick here. Um, I I think we're starting to see, you know, we talked about how boring Mac Jones was earlier in the season, first couple games. I I think they have a a good plan in place for him. You're starting to see him open it up a little bit more. Um, You know, it resulted in an interception and three turnover worthy plays uh, in this game. But I, I think you're Mac is smart enough to learn from that stuff. And they're, they're giving him a little bit longer of a leash. And I think they're doing it in the correct way, doing it against the Texans, right. Was, was what they needed to do. And I know the game was in the balance for a while. So you needed to kind of throw a little bit, um, especially with uh, Damian Harris getting banged up in this game. But um, I, I, mean, I like at the goal line fumble. Like, it's a typical Bill Belichick. You've got to execute right on, on your plays. I mean, that's the, <laughs> I'm not going to call it a block punt because the Texans kicked the ball off of their own player's helmet um, <laughs> for a negative two yard punt. But those are the, those are the perfect examples of you have to execute. You can't fumble at the goal line. 
and you've right. got to win the special teams battle. This is Bill Belichick 101 to have something to talk about for the next week. Yep, absolutely. Uh, any last thoughts on that one? Uh, no, burn burn that game tape. <laughs> burn the game tape. After you watch it one time and take notes, yep. burn the tape. Yeah. Um, all right, there's, there's one other game that I really want to call out here. Um, I, I know there's a handful of others that we haven't talked about yet, but just conscious of our time here. Um, <laughs> Lions-Vikings. Uh, <laughs> His mutter was you a know mutter. What? If you know a Lions fan, give them a hug, okay? <laughs> like a win once again snatched away at the very last second. The Lions, you know, score. They think... Okay, here we go. We've got to win. What and seven seconds left? They they go yeah. ahead and they go for two again. Talk about the balls on Dan Campbell. Oh, I loved that. I loved that. Um, not just kicking the extra point to tie. They're like, fuck it. We're on the road. We're going for a win. They get it. They go up 17-16. Kirk Cousins makes a you know, makes a good throw down the middle of the field, gets a chunk play sets the Vikings up for a game-winning field goal, which, to be fair, of all the kicking woes that transpired this week, the Vikings having a game-winning kick is the universe, like, making a joke, I think. Yeah. But um, the Vikings <laughs> kicked the game-winning field goal. After the game, Dan Campbell was crying in his press conference. Um, and I, I like what I'm seeing from Dan Campbell and the Lions. They are competitive week in and week out. And he very obviously cares about this team. And that fucking matters, <laughs> Urban Meyer. And he's like, he's this old school hardo, right? Like when he talks about biting off kneecaps in his introductory press conference, you're thinking like, okay, like this guy's going to be, I, I thought this guy's going to be done. Like he yeah. might not make it out of year one, but he... He has that toughness, that mentality, but the Lions also have several analysts on their coaching staff whose job it is to crunch the numbers and inform Dan Campbell on decisions in game, on fourth downs, on when to kick it, all this stuff. And he embraces that stuff. He knows he's not the smartest guy in the room. And you put all of that together. And I know the Lions are a dumpster fire and they're 0-5 now, all this stuff. I like what's happening in Detroit with Dan Campbell. And you, when's the last time we've been able to say that about the Lions? Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Jared Goff, but damn, if they had an actual receiver on this team, I mean, Amon Ra, say Brown excluded since he's a rookie. But if they had, I mean, last year they had Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. on their mm -hmm. team. And now they've got absolutely nobody, right? Yep. If they had yeah. somebody to just, at a dynamic level to that team that I mean, they lost on field goals back to back and mm -hmm. they've played I, this, the last two weeks they've put in four quarters together before that they put two quarters together in their first three games. Um, it, they, they look way better than an own five record. And I think to your point that that's all on Dan Campbell, I can't give him enough credit and I know we're short on time, but I, I can't not talk about Urban Meyer. I'm sorry, because it's the complete opposite where he that fourth fourth in uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence hair width from the end zone 
and they call just, you know, I'm not going to dog them for calling a run play, but after the game, they come back and say, well, why didn't you run a QB sneak? And he's like, well, Trevor's not ready for that. You know, he doesn't have the confidence. And then they interview Trevor. And he's like, no, I've run QB sneaks my entire career. I haven't done it in the NFL yet, but like, I'm confident I can do it. I can yeah. fucking flop my dick forward for a half an inch. <laughs> and this, this, he's completely lost the locker room. I can't believe that there wasn't a dual resignation and urban Meyer and John Gruden were riding off in the sunset together. How much is urban Meyer like thanking the Lord that John, there's a different story right now. Well, especially after he come out and said that his goal is to go for 250 and 250. It's you don't run for 250 yards weekend, week out in the NFL. Sorry, dude. Especially when guess what? You're on five. You do that when you're five and L and you've got a 21 point lead in the first quarter. Yeah. He still thinks he's at fucking Florida playing the mud dogs of Southeast Louisiana state university. It's like, come on, man. And And to top it off, they, I mean, they got their ass kicked frankly in this game, 37 to 19, I mean, it, it was a step back from the week before against the Bengals. And yeah, it's it's embarrassing. It really it's is. After the, after the Titans lost to the Jets the week before. And I, to, I know it's been a kicker week. Um, I, it, there's been a missed extra point here. There was a missed field goal. It looks like it got called back on a penalty, so it's not official. But at least 12 missed field goals and 13 missed extra points. That is the most ever missed in one week in NFL history. Um, but the Fucking kicker to me wild. is that James Robinson runs for 18 or eight takes 18 carries for 150 yards and they wasted a first round draft pick on ETN. And I'm not saying they wasted it because he's injured. I'm saying you have an effective back. Let's do something else to bolster this team when you've already got a position of strength. Like the, I get drafting best player available or, you know, you want a deep rotation, Mm -hmm. but that is not a position where you waste that capital. And, that performance 150 yards in a what 18 point loss is the epitome of you you're good at that position let's move on to something mm-hmm. else <laughs> maybe try some defense or something yeah no shit man it's I, I don't know how far away we are from urban meyer exiting um i suppose it, it, a couple weeks ago matt Nagy was the betting favorite for first coach to be fired uh, I don't know how close John Gruden and Urban Meyer were prior to that, but um, you know, here we are. What, is is my bold prediction still in, in play? I'm not sure. He wasn't fired; he just resigned, so it could still be. Well, they parted be, ways. I don't know. If, I don't know if we know the exact uh, phrasing yet. Or I guess he, okay. Is that what Twitter's saying? He does plan to resign. Uh, <laughs> Gruden's resigning, so he can't be fired. What a fucking ass. God. Well, you know what? Was that Urban Meyer's Twitter account? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Someone just said uh, Gruden traded Khalil Mack and ended his career after a loss to Khalil Mack. So (laughs) there you go. Um, All right. Any other games you want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, Just quick hitters. Um, I still think Carolina's for real. That Philadelphia comeback was awful. Sam Darnold played awful. I do put them in play for another quarterback if there's a midseason trade opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not sure why that defense or that offense didn't come alive until the fourth quarter, but I still think that Ben Roethlisberger's washed in the 27 points that Pittsburgh put up or kind of in spite of him. Um, not a lot of zippy hard throws. They were a lot of lofted balls and with Juju Smith-Schuster now out for the year officially, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for him. Um, mm-hmm. Winston's back. Turnover Winston's back, uh, roller coaster Winston's back, um, hit yeah. on the Hail Mary, but also had an interception and a fumble. And uh, this Monday night football game, Lamar Jackson fumbled at the goal line. So maybe let's let's play quarterback instead of running back. Okay, fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Uh, yeah, I the last note I'll make on any of these games, the, the Saints are they're a little tough to peg but i think they're a good team like all things considered they are going to be competitive in the nfc for one of those wild card spots um washington's defense we touched on it earlier is i, I don't know what he just threw a 50 yard pass to marquise marquez brown or marquise brown after i said play quarterback so hollywood see he was lamar listens to the pod Lamar listens to the pod. You know what? I knew I knew he was it was before uh, he was part of the seconds past. left in the play. Clearly his earpiece was still live. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. If we're done with the games, I want to get out on uh this one stat courtesy of Michael David Smith on Twitter. So uh you mentioned all the missed extra points and the missed kicks. All right. NFL teams are successful on 92.4% of extra point kicks and 63.9% of two-point conversions so far in 2021. In other words, your expected points from kicking are 0.9, and your expected points from going for two are 1.3. Now, obviously, the the zero that you get for not making you know, the, the two-point conversions can catch up to you a little bit quicker given the higher percentage, but you're effectively giving up 0.4 points every time you kick an extra point as far as expected points go. That that's mind blowing. I've never necessarily thought of it in those terms, but I mean, when are we going to get a team that's just like, all right, well, fuck kickers. We're just going to go for it all the time. Cause I'm here for that. Hey, Give me that kick, reality. Kickers are people too. Oh, okay. that's why you, barely. That's why you keep, that's why you keep giving them chances. Hey, fourth time's a charm. <laughs> hey, you might have you got to warm that leg up because yeah. after this week there might be a spot for you. <laughs> All right, well let's let's get out on that for sure. Um, that's a fifty-six yarder doink the in week four, a fifty-seven yarder doink to decide the game in week five. Um, let's let's keep the doinks going. Let's keep the doinks going. All right, thanks for listening, everybody.